0: What is Christianity? What's it all about? It's it's an important question, whether you're new to church or whether you've grown up in a church your entire life, it's it's an important question, it's a basic question, uh, but it's important. It's important for us to understand what we believe and why we believe it. It's important because it shapes everything that we say and do. And so we're starting a new series today called Back to the Basics. And what we're attempting to do is just to get back to the fundamentals of what Christianity is, what the church is, and why that matters for us. And so, you know, maybe, maybe you grew up playing sports and you always wondered, you know, why, why your coach constantly brought you back to the fundamentals almost every practice. You know, you, you knew how to dribble the ball. You knew how to hit a free throw. And, and you wondered why, why Coach spent so much time having you do dribbling drills and shooting free throws when you knew how to do those things, and you could be spending time on other things. Or maybe for you in the business world, maybe you've wondered why your company spends so much time going over its vision and its values and, and the basic things that all the employees should already know in a meeting. Why would they take so much time to go over that? Well, the reason that coaches spend so much time on fundamentals and companies spend so much time communicating their vision and their values is because the fundamentals or the basics are important. The fundamentals shape everything else that we do. And if we understand the fundamentals, if we understand the basics, then everything else we do is better. Then everything else we do is more impactful. And it's the same way with churches. You see, if we go back to the basics, if we understand what Christianity is about, then it makes everything that we say and do as a church that much better. You see, if you want to hit three-pointers consistently, then you've got to know how to follow through. If you want to expand your business to a new location, then your employees have to understand the vision and the values in order to do that. And if as a church, if we want to reach our community and the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it's absolutely essential that we understand what that's all about. And so that's why we're going back to the basics. That's why we're periodically just going to go back and, under, and, and take a look at basic questions about Christianity, what it is, what it means, and how that should change our lives. And so today, we, we have to start with the question, what is Christianity? What is Christianity? You know, some, some have said that Christianity is about being a good person, doing the right thing, whether it's in public or in private. And some have said that Christianity is all about obedience to God and his commands and, and knowing the commandments of God and, and walking in accordance with them. Some have said that Christianity is about loving others and being a generous person, helping others out when they're in a time of need. And some, some have thought that Christianity is, is, is just basically about faith. It's about believing something, about God and about who you are. Some have said that Christianity is just this set of religious beliefs, rules, and rituals. So, so, so what is Christianity all about? A lot of those answers get at part of it, but, but they don't get at the heart of it. They don't get at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. They don't get at the heart of what Christianity is all about. And so today, I want you to open your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 4 and John chapter 14. As we look at this question, what is Christianity? And answer, what is it all about? And what I want you to notice today is that Christianity is about three things and ultimately one thing. First, we're going to look at how Christianity is about discipleship, and second, we're going to look at how Christianity is about love, and finally, and ultimately, we're going to look at how Christianity is about Jesus Christ. So turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 4 as we look at Christianity is about discipleship. If, if, if we want to know what Christianity is all about, then what better place to start than by looking at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ— After all, Christianity is named after Jesus, right? And so if we want to understand what Christianity is all about, then we've got to go to Jesus himself. And and we have four Gospels in the Bible that give us an account of Jesus' life and ministry that are inspired by God and written down for us so that we would understand who God is and what he wants us to know. Who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And what you'll notice as you look at the life of Jesus is that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he calls disciples. He calls followers. And, and then at the end of Jesus' ministry, in Matthew 28, as he prepares to ascend to his Father's right hand and sit on the throne in heaven, what he does is he calls his followers to make disciples. He says in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And then when we come to Matthew chapter 4, here's what we read about Jesus early on in his ministry. Starting in verse 18, here's what it says. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, talking about Jesus, saw two brothers Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You see, Christianity is about discipleship. It's about following Jesus. You see, so, so what is a disciple? If we say that Christianity is about discipleship, then we've got to understand what a disciple is. Well, I think the easiest way to understand that is, is that simply a disciple is someone who has left everything to follow the main thing. A disciple is someone who has left everything. And In Matthew 4, we see that these disciples, they leave their career, their possessions, even their family in order to follow Jesus. You see, disciples were, were individuals who were called by a master teacher to follow them and learn from them and learn everything about them. And so these disciples are called by Jesus to follow him. This is the first command that Jesus gives to his closest followers is follow me, is make me your pursuit in life, is make me your goal in life, make me your focus in life. And so these disciples, they leave everything to follow Jesus. They leave their career. They were fishermen. That's all they had known growing up. That's all they had learned. It was their livelihood. And Jesus says, follow me, and they leave it. Boats and nets and, and fishing materials were, were, were all that they owned. And Jesus says, follow me, and they left it. Even, even these two brothers, they, they leave their own father to follow Jesus. They leave their own family to follow after this man. And so disciples, they leave everything in order to follow and learn from a master teacher, in this case, Jesus the Christ. See, Christianity is about discipleship. It's about learning from the God who has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ and who has called us all to follow him. Christianity is about discipleship, and it doesn't mean that necessarily it's always going to look like for you leaving all of your possessions or leaving your career or leaving your family, though sometimes it might. But primarily what it's about is a change of focus, a turn of direction. Primarily what discipleship is about is you have a new focus, a new goal, a new path to walk in life as you're following after the one who's leading you. See, this is what Christianity is about. It's being led by and following after Jesus. And as Jesus told his disciples to teach others in Matthew 28 with the Great Commission, he said, do you remember this? He said, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And so what discipleship is about is learning from Jesus the truth about God and about life and how that applies to everything that we say and do how it shapes the very lives we live, how it changes us from the inside out. So Christianity is about discipleship. It means that Christianity is about following Jesus the Christ. And secondly, we see that Christianity is about love. But it's about love directed in two specific directions. And so if we want to know what Christianity is all about, then we have to look at what Jesus said Christians should be known for. And what he said the two most important commandments are. You see, in in the Gospel of John, we read this. Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. He says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so Jesus taught his disciples that they were to be known for love. And then in Matthew 22, we read this. As as someone comes to Jesus and asks him what the most important commands are, he says, the the question is, teacher, which is the the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, on these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. He says, the rest of the Bible is about this. The rest of the Bible is about loving God and loving your neighbor, loving others around you. He says, the most important commandment is to love God with everything that you are. He says, Christianity is about loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Christianity, then, he also says, is about loving others as though they were a part of us. Love your neighbor as yourself, he says. And so Christianity, just like it's about discipleship, it's also about love. Love for God, primarily, and then that love for God flows out into love for those around us. Jesus said Christians are known for love. And so here's, here's the problem, though. Here's the question that many of us have when we hear that. Is that when we look around, many of the Christians in our lives aren't known for love. They're not known for being about these things. We see Christians argue with one another, we see Christians being overly critical of others who don't know as much about Jesus and and the way of following him and what that means. We see intense social media debates amongst believers where they attack one another in front of the world. I think about this time where me and my wife, we brought some friends to church who who hadn't been to a church, and this wasn't this church, it was another church we were part of years ago, but we brought some friends to church that hadn't been to a church in years. And we were excited about them coming with us. We were excited about the potential of them hearing the gospel and, and knowing what Christianity is all about. And as we walked in the sanctuary that day, as we walked into the worship center, what we experienced and what they experienced, as soon as they walked in, was this older gentleman that came up to them and criticized them for their tattoos and their hats. And that was their introduction to the church. That was their introduction to what Christianity was about. And so, see, sometimes we, when we see Christians or people who are supposed to be Christians around us, what we experience is not that they're known for love, it's not that they're known for their love for God and their love for those around them, but they're, they're known for criticism of others, for not obeying the right rules or doing the right things or knowing how to do what you should be doing. You see, a lot of the Christians that we see around us are not known for what Jesus said they should be known for. And can I just tell you a, 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 a secret that is, is hope-giving for me about the church? And I think Jesus would want us to be reminded of. You see, the church is filled with two kinds of people. It's, it's, it's always going to be filled with religious people. And it's always going to be filled with messed up people. See, the church is always going to be filled with religious people who think that they've got it all figured out because they know more commands than you do. They know more of the rules and they know how to follow them to the T. And so then they criticize others who don't yet understand everything that they do and they think they've got life all figured out because they know God's commands and they think they're obeying them and they think they've got it all figured out. And they criticize others who don't. And in reality, they don't get it at all. What they don't get is that We're all sinners saved by the grace of God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and it's nothing that we do. It's not about how many rules you know or how good you are at keeping them. Christianity is about what God has done in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to save those who had sinned against him and who would never have chosen to obey him in all the ways that they should have. And yet, Jesus came and died out of love for those who were his enemies, that we might have life, that we might have a relationship with God that's growing and vibrant It leads us to understand the commands of God properly and to grow in our obedience to them. But it's not primarily about making sure that you obey all the rules. It's about the grace of God driving everything that you do in life. Because you understand that as we read in Philippians 2, Jesus humbled himself even to the point of dying on a cross out of his love for you. And what that drives in us is a love for God and a love for those around us because what we recognize is that the church is a place for broken people. You see, the church is always going to be filled with people who don't have it figured out, who are messed up. Because can I tell you something? I'm the pastor and I'm messed up. I'm the pastor of a church, and I need God's grace. I'm the pastor of a church, and I need the God who loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me, because without that, I had no hope. See, this is what Christianity is about, friends. Christianity is about discipleship. It's about following Jesus. Christianity is about love. It's about loving God and loving those around you as Jesus has loved us. And ultimately, Christianity is about Jesus. It's about who Jesus is. If, if we want to understand what Christianity is all about, then we have to look at Jesus' words about himself. We have to understand who Jesus reveals himself to be, who Jesus said that he was, and who he is. And that's why we look to John 14, verse 6. If Christianity is ultimately about Jesus, then we must ask, who is Jesus? And in John chapter 14, he tells us. John 14, chapter, verse 6, here's what we read. Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus says these words in in the context. Earlier in chapter 14, he said, let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And so Jesus here is talking about the way that we can be reconciled to God, the way that we can spend eternity with God, the God who loved us so much that he did not watch us make a mess of things, but sent his son to die for us because we had. This Jesus, as he's talking about himself, he uses these words, I am, which would have reminded his hearers in that day of how God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. You see, God there, when, when, when Moses asked, who are you, Lord? What's your name? Who should I say that you are when I tell people about you? God revealed himself in that moment with Moses, as Moses is likely terrified and, and is receiving this incredible call of God on his life to go and proclaim uh, his deliverance to his people. He says, who are you? And God says two words. He says, "I am." He says, "I am that I am," which means he's al- he's always been, he is, and he always will be. God reveals Himself as the Great I Am, and when Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament, what He says about Himself is these same two words: "I am." And what he's trying to get us to see is that he is God revealing himself to us in the flesh. He is God who has become a man and come to save those who are lost. You see, Jesus says about himself three things here as he reveals himself to be the greater I am. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we see that Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the truth about life, and Jesus is the life that we are searching for. He says, I am the way. Jesus is the only way to God. And and immediately we have this question pop up. Can can there really just be one true religion? Can Can there really be just one way to God, one way to heaven, one way to knowing God and experiencing him and living with him in relationship to him? Can there really be just one way? There's these objections that come up in our mind. Isn't it it an arrogant thing to claim that your religious truth is superior and, and, and to attempt to get everyone else to ascribe to it? And we think... It doesn't matter what you believe about God. It it just matters that you believe and that you're a good person. These are the objections we have in our own hearts and, and and as we talk with others. These are the questions we run into and the difficult things that we debate. But here's the thing about these kind of objections to Christianity. They're not about an intellectual debate. That's that's part of the conversation. But, but when we really think about it, when we really go back to where do these objections come from, they come from in, intense emotions that we feel as we consider whether or not this is actually true. Because if it's true, it changes everything, and it impacts our lives and the lives of our loved ones, those that we care about, in really significant ways. So I think about the first funeral that I ever preached was my stepdad's and as I preached that funeral that day I I stood on a stage much like this one and my mother and my three little brothers who had just lost lost their dad were sitting in the front row to my right weeping and I was preaching that funeral not knowing what my stepdad believed about God not knowing where he ended up. Preaching a message of hope to hurting people as we remembered a man that I, I really had no idea what he ended up believing about who God is. You see, my, my stepdad and I, we, we had a lot of spiritual conversations over the years and, and we had a lot of these debates about these kinds of objections to the Christian faith and, and what that means and how we sort through those things he had a lot of these same doubts and then one day he was hiking in colorado and had a heart attack and there weren't any conversations anymore and 6 months prior to that he he'd given me a call and told me that he'd begun reading the bible that i had given to him years ago but that was all i knew I didn't know whether he believed the words he was reading. I didn't know if he believed what Jesus said here when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I didn't know. You see, when we have these kinds of objections to the Christian faith, these are the kinds of situations they arise from. Because we wonder about our loved ones We wonder about those we care for. We wonder about ourselves. Because if this is true, if there is really one way to relationship with God and to eternity with him, and that is Jesus Christ alone, then it changes everything and it impacts every single one of us. Because we're either following the way, the truth, and the life, or we're not. And so, these are where these objections come from. And so, as we think through these kinds of questions together, we have to realize that this is what it comes down to. This is what it's about. It matters whether or not this is true. And so, I I think about that first one. Isn't it it arrogant to claim that your truth, your religious truth, is, is superior to everyone else's and to attempt to get them to ascribe to it? Isn't that arrogant? Well, to be honest, yes, it could be. It could be an arrogant claim, unless it's true. You see, the the question is, does your religious truth, does what you believe about God and the world and about your life, does it come from you or does it come from God? Where does the truth that you believe come from? Is it because if it's something, if your religious truth is something that you have somehow thought up on your own, or that some other man has thought up and constructed, then it's absolutely arrogant to claim that everyone else in the world should believe what you believe and get with the program. If your religious truth that you're basing your life on comes from you, then it's incredibly arrogant. To believe that everyone else should get with the program. That everyone else should believe what you believe. Because you came up with it on your own. It doesn't actually have something to do with who God is and who he's shown himself to be. But everything to do with how smart you think you are. You see, when, when we think that we can believe whatever we want to believe about God and, and that and everyone else should, should submit to that, then really what we're, what we're thinking is that we know best. And humanity's been making this mistake since the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve reached out and took of the fruit and said, I know better than you do, God. I can tell what's good and evil for myself. You see, if your religious truth comes from you or from something created rather than the creator, then it's absolutely arrogant to say that everyone else should go with the program. But if your religious truth comes from God himself, as he reveals himself to humanity, then it's not arrogant to say, listen. To this, to plead with people to understand it, to plead with people to turn from their own ways and their own understanding and to trust in Jesus alone as the way to God. If this truth comes from God Himself as He reveals Himself to us, if much like when Moses asked God to show Him who He was. If this is what Jesus is doing, if this is what God is doing in Jesus Christ, revealing himself to us, then it's the most loving and humble, gracious thing you could ever do with your life to tell everyone you know about it and plead with them to turn to it. Because if this is truth revealed from God rather than coming from us, then it's humble to recognize, I don't know best. there's a God who does and it's gracious and loving to plead with people to see not what you want them to see about God but what God wants to show them about himself. It's the most loving, humble thing you can do to proclaim this truth if it's from God. And we must not misunderstand what Jesus is doing here because this is what he's saying. He's saying, I am the God who revealed himself to Moses, who created all things, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, then we come to this objection, it doesn't matter what you believe about God as long as you believe and you're a good person. And I mean, here's the irony of this, the sad irony is that the belief that it does not matter what you believe about God is itself a specific belief about God and who he is. And it's a belief about God that you're claiming ultimately matters more than what most of the major world religions around the world say about God. Do we see how, how we, we get into this Thinking where, where we think that we've got it figured out, we think that we know best. And, and the irony is, is that even when we claim that what you believe about God doesn't matter, we're actually expressing a belief about who God is. Because most world religions claim that God does care what we think of him, and that it's best to believe what they believe God wants us to think about himself And what we're saying when we say, it doesn't matter what you believe about God, as long as you believe something, is we're actually saying that there is a God, but he doesn't care what you think about him. And we're presenting that belief as though it's superior to what most of the people in human history have believed about God, and how incredibly arrogant is that, that we would believe that. It's a sad irony because instead of believing in who God has revealed himself to believe, to be, we're believing in who we've constructed him to be in our own minds. And, and the second problem with that is, is, is who, who determines if you're a good person or not? If, it doesn't, if God doesn't care what you believe about him, just that you believe in that you're a good person, who has the authority to determine that you are good? as opposed to evil, that you do right as opposed to wrong? Is it you? Is it society? Is it the government? Is it our laws? Is it culture? If it's any of those things, then who has given any one of those things, including you, the authority to determine what is good and evil, what is right from wrong? You see, we put ourselves in the place of God, claiming that we know what's best, just like Adam and Eve did. That we can determine good from evil on our own and that and that what we think matters most. You see, here's what Jesus would want us to realize, is that God does care what we think of him. Is that God is the only one who can determine what is actually good and what is actually evil is that God is the only one who can tell us the way back to him. And the glorious good news is that he has. The incredible grace of God is that he has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ, and he has told us the way to be reconciled to him. Just as we see that Jesus is the only way to God, we also see that Jesus is the truth about life. He says, I am the way and the truth. What this means is that, in other words, Jesus is the source of all that is actually and really true. He is the one who reveals truth, He is the source of truth. He is the truth about life. And so we have these objections that come up once again. Can there really be something such as absolute truth? Can there be something that is true for everyone, everywhere, all the time? Or we say that every religion has, has some truth in it, but no religion can see the entirety of the truth. And so is, is there such a thing as absolute truth? This idea that there's something that's true always for everyone, everywhere. See, the the problem with with denying that there's an absolute truth, this is a conversation that, uh, you know, I've had with with my stepdad who passed away, I've had with many others, and I I believe many of you have had conversations about this too. See, the problem with denying that there can ever be something such as absolute truth is that you have to believe in absolute truth to deny it. Because the claim, there is no absolute truth is itself an absolute truth. It's an absolute statement about what is true for everyone, that there is no absolute truth, and it denies itself. You see, we cannot believe there is no absolute truth without believing in absolute truth itself. And this means that what Jesus is saying is perfectly reasonable. That He's saying there is a truth. There is something that is actually real. There is something that is true always, all the time, for everyone, everywhere. And he reveals himself to be the source of it. He says, I am the way and the truth. You see, we all, we all believe something is absolutely true. The question is, is what you believe actually true? Is it actually what is true about God? Is it actually what is true about you? Is it actually what is true about the world around you? And if you're trusting in your own ideas, then you're trusting in something that is really shaky and is going to fall from underneath your feet. But if you're trusting in what God says about himself and what God reveals to be the truth, then you're standing on a firm foundation that will never fail. See, and then we come to this idea that every religion has some truth in it, but no religion can see the entirety of truth. This is the other objection that we often have to Jesus' claim that he is the truth. You see, and, and, and oftentimes what we think of here is this, this common illustration about these three blind men and this, this elephant and how they would describe it. And so the, the idea goes is that the first blind man, he, he came to the elephant, and he was feeling its trunk, and he said, it's like a snake. And the second blind man came, and he, he felt its, its leg, and he said, no, no, it's like, it's like a huge tree trunk. And the third blind man said, no, you're both wrong. As he felt its side, he said, it, it, it's like a wall. And, and the point of the illustration is, is to try and say that, you see, just like, just like all the world religions have some claim about God, they can't see the entirety of who God is and what is actually true, though they can see parts of it. And so there's there's some value in in each of them and and they all have part of the truth but not the whole thing. But but there's a a glaring problem with this idea because the whole story is told from the perspective of of a narrator who can see the whole elephant, who sees the entire truth. You see, uh, here's what Tim Keller said about this this problem we have with this illustration. He said, how could you possibly know that no religion can see the whole truth unless you yourself have the superior comprehensive knowledge of spiritual reality that you just claimed none of the religions have? You see, you can't make this claim that no religion has absolute truth, that no religion has the truth, unless you claim to have it yourself, unless you claim that it's possible to know it. And that you can know that these are wrong. You see, the beauty of it is, is there is a narrator. There is someone who is standing behind everything that sees it all. There is someone who can say, no, that's not true. That's not true. Here's what is. And his name is God. His name is Jesus the Christ. He has revealed himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. And this is the thing about God, is that if there is a God who is real, then he has to reveal himself to us. Then we have to take him at his words and not our own. Then it matters what he says, not what we think or want to say about him. It matters what is actually and really true, not what we just think to be true. And Jesus, as he's making these claims about himself, says, I am the way to God, and I am the truth about life. And finally, he says that he is the life, that Jesus is the life that we are searching for. You see, is there actually an all-satisfying Meaning and purpose to life. Is there some place or some person where we can find what we're longing for? You know C.S. Lewis, he had this famous illustration where he, he said, we, "We tend to get distracted by the things around us, <laughs> as though a child like a child that's playing in the mud but can't understand the beauty of a day at the sea. You see, we get distracted by things like money and alcohol and drugs, and and we seek to find satisfaction in them. We seek to find life in our career or even in good things like our family, like our marriage or our kids. We seek to find ultimate meaning and satisfaction in life in all of these created things And what we're missing is the one who made them all. What we're missing is the God of creation who has not left it to spin like a top, but who has entered into it and revealed himself to us and said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life that you've been looking for. You see, some of us, we go throughout life and we just we, we keep pursuing things like our career and success and money and and, and an amazing family and, and and when we get all of those things let's let 's say that life goes well for you and and you get everything that you were searching for. oftentimes we find ourselves in this place where we realize that it 's not enough. I think of Tom Brady in this interview he had that was incredibly popular where he he was being interviewed about his latest Super Bowl win. And as he was thinking about winning the Super Bowl yet another time, he just wondered, is this all there is? Isn't there more? And when we get everything that we want in life, if God is gracious to us, he shows us that. That's not enough. That's not what we were made for. It's not what would, will satisfy our souls. You see, it doesn't matter how much money you make, or how many drugs you take, or how amazing your family is, or your accomplishments in life. All of those created things will fail you if they're not submitted to the God who made everything. One who's revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ and who says, I am the way to God. I am the truth about life. And I am the life that you have been searching for. So maybe you're in a spot right now where you've felt that funk. Like there's just something missing. And I would just plead with you this morning. Would you turn to him Would you turn to Jesus, the one that Christianity is all about? And would you find the way to God, the truth about life, and the life you've been longing for in Him? Would you pray with me? God, we are so incredibly grateful for you this morning. God, I ask right now for me and my friends, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. You would continue to show us the truth about who you are and what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for those who have never known you up to this point. I ask that right now, you would bring new life. That you would bring faith. That you would bring hope in Jesus Christ, and that you would cause us all to turn from ourselves and our ways to follow after you, the one who Christianity is all about, Jesus the Christ, and whose awesome and mighty name we pray, amen.